0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially those who may be tuning in to watch for the first time. Thank you for watching today. We have those that watch every time we're on the air, and we appreciate your uh, tuning in as well. Now today, we have a very interesting subject to discuss entitled, It Could Happen to You. I hope you'll stay tuned. Now today, we are offering the free Bible correspondence course that we have mentioned on other telecasts. We have it available today, and we want those of you who have never received the course to avail yourself of that opportunity today that you might know more about the course and that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314 Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call
1: toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to read now from the 16th chapter of Luke's Gospel, beginning with verse 19, and I'll read to the 24th verse. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. in this flame. there, There is a tendency on the part of man to have a mental immunity to when things happen to other people. We may see someone who's involved in an automobile accident and we think something like that could never happen to me. We hear of an individual who has come down with some dreaded disease. And if we're not careful, we will think to ourselves, that could never happen to me. We hear someone whose family has been broken by, by a death in that family. The family circle has been broken. And we may think that's never happened to my family, and it'll never happen in my family. Maybe we hear of someone who's had a divorce in their family. We think nothing like that could ever happen to me. You see, when we hear of things that happen to others, we really like to think that would never happen to me. I recall one night going out, visiting some people, trying to get them to be in worship on the Lord's Day. And I had a young man visiting with me. We went in this home and we sat down and the man told me quite frankly, Brother Lambert, I don't ever intend to come back to church. I don't think it could be any plainer than that. And I tried to reason with him from every way that I knew. But he said, I'm not coming back. I'm not going to be in church. And when we got in the car, this young man who now would be an older man, this was many, many years ago, said to me, I'm so glad I came with you tonight because I don't want anything like this to ever happen to me. I don't want to ever turn my back on the Lord. But sad to say, it did happen to Him too. You see, what has happened to other people can happen to me. Jonah ran away from God. We say, well, I'd never do that, but I have known of many people who have run away from God. Peter followed afar off because of a lack of courage on his part. The rich young ruler refused to follow after Jesus because he had great possessions. You see, things that have happened to others can indeed happen to us. Now, the reading that I have is from Luke 16, and it's about the rich man and Lazarus. And we could spend all of our time today studying about Lazarus, how Lazarus was a beggar, how Lazarus was full of sores, and how he just sat at the gate of the rich man just wanting the crumbs that were falling off of the rich man's table. And as he he would be here at the gate of this rich man, the dogs would come and lick his sores. Well, we could spend our time studying about Lazarus, how Lazarus died. And when Lazarus died, that he was carried by angels into the bosom of Abraham. You, You know... Most people want to spend their time studying about Lazarus. And and yet we like to live like the rich man. And then we want to die like Lazarus. But I want us to think about not Lazarus in our study today. But I want us to study about this rich man. And, and some things that are quite obvious about him. First of all, here was a man who was lost, and he didn't seem to know it. The Bible says that he left up his eyes in torments. He was lost. And it's a sad thing, you know, for a person to be sick and not know it. I've known of people like that. They were deathly ill, and they didn't know about it until it was almost too late. I heard of a woman one day who developed a terrible backache. And in just a little while, it was actually three weeks, three weeks after she learned of it, had this backache, she died of cancer. She was sick, but she didn't really know it. But I'll tell you something that's sadder than that. And it's much sadder for a person to be lost and not know it. It is said of Samson in Judges 16 and verse 20, that the lord departed from him and he knew it not you see there are those that are lost but they don't know it they're not really aware of the value of their souls as jesus asked in mark 8:36 as well as matthew 16:26 what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul you see many people give very little thought to their soul. There are people watching now who may give very little thought about where you're going to be in eternity 10,000 years from now. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The majority of people living even now are lost, but they're not thinking about their soul. We have a tendency to pamper our bodies, and we neglect our souls. Yes, here was a man who was lost, but he didn't even seem to be aware of it. I'll tell you something else about the rich man. The rich man died and he didn't expect it. Now, common sense teaches that people do not live forever. While the Bible says that that it's appointed unto a man once to die. And common sense teaches us that we're not going to live forever. Isn't Isn't that the reason you buy life insurance? so that you can protect those that you're going to leave behind, you know you're not going to live forever? Isn't that the reason that we make funeral arrangements because we're not going to live forever? Isn't that the reason for making out your last will and testament? You know you're not going to live forever. Yes, common sense teaches us that we're going to die, But the average experience that people have in death is this. It is unexpected. Unexpected. Here is a man who died, and he didn't seem to expect it to happen. But it will happen. Fact is, there's only a heartbeat between me and eternity right now. Between you and eternity. Eternity. In 1 Samuel chapter 20 and 3, the Bible says there is but a step between me and death. There's just a step between me and death. The fact is, that's a step that we all take at least one time in our lives. It is appointed unto a man once to die. I don't know of anything you can do about that. You can take your vitamins, you can exercise, sleep right, eat right, but you're still going to die. Why? Because it's appointed unto a man once to die. And all people are going to die. We may not like to think about it. We may not like to contemplate our death, but we are going to die. This is a step you take once in your life. And wisdom cannot outsmart death or else uh, Solomon, the wise man of the Old Testament, would would not have died. Strength cannot avail against the warrior called death or else Samson would not have died. Righteousness cannot withstand the onslaught of death or else Peter and Paul and James and John and a host of other righteous people would not have died. Yes, indeed, this is a step you take once in your life. That this is a step from which there is no return. David was weeping over the death of a child. And David said, I shall go to him. He shall not come to me. You see, once we die, there's no returning. There's no coming back. And this is a step that people take between time and eternity. Uh, Solomon is talking about this step in Ecclesiastes 12. When he said, Man goes to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, Or, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel be broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return unto the earth as it was, and the Spirit unto God who gave it. You see, this is a step that we take between time and eternity. This man died, but he didn't expect it to happen. This is also a step for which an individual should prepare themselves. Many people die unprepared because they don't expect it to happen. In Luke, the 12th chapter, Jesus said, talked about a man, a rich man, whose bro- uh, grounds brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? For I have no room where to bestow my goods. This I will do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. There I will bestow all of my fruits and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, Thou hast goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Here was a man who died before he aimed to. Most people do. The rich man in Luke 16 died, but he did not expect to die. That this man was lost But he could not change it. He he could not change it. As a matter of fact, he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this land. Can you imagine? Just wanted a moistened finger on his tongue. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted and you're tormented. And besides all this between us, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor, nor can those from there pass to us. There was no changing of his destiny lost, and he could not change it. And my friend, that could happen to you. You see, forgiveness and hope had been forfeited. Oh, he may have tried to reason with the Lord, well, you know my mother and my my father were Christians, and my grandfather was an elder in the church. Let me tell you, ancestor religion is not going to change your destiny once you die. In John 8, 33, Jesus said to certain ones that believed on him, you, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and, and you shall know the truth, and, you shall, and, and the truth shall make you free. And they said, We're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. And you tell us we're going to be free? Here were people who thought they had it made because they were related to Abraham. But you see, here's a man who lost it. He's no way he could change his destiny. Riches could not change it. Why, riches cannot save our souls. 1 Peter 1.18 For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. Prayer could not change it. There's a lot of praying going on in hell. Let, listen to some praying that's going on in hell. He said, Father Abraham... Have mercy on me. You know, you know what people in hell want? They want mercy. But the day of mercy is past. And then, he, and then he said, Well, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Here's a man who's begging for his, for his brothers. But there's no way you can change your destiny once you die. There's a lot of praying going on there, but prayer cannot change things. You see, after death, you cannot change your lost condition. And, and there's no opportunity that you're going to have to make any corrections in your life. The opportunity is today. Now, there have been those in ages gone by and even today, who take the opportunities they have to make their lives right with God so lightly. I think about Agrippa in Acts, the 26th chapter. And, and he said to, to the Apostle Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Well, friends, to be almost persuaded is not to be persuaded at all. It's not enough to be almost persuaded. We need to be altogether persuaded to give our lives to the Lord. Then I think about Felix in Acts chapter 24 who said, Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. Yes, we're studying about the rich man here in Luke 16. Here's a man who was lost. He couldn't change it. You know, he had sinned he had away the day of grace. He had sinned away all of the opportunities that he had. He wanted another opportunity, but he didn't get it. I believe there are people today, perhaps maybe even some that are watching our telecast today, who in their minds believe, I can live like I choose to live now. I have the right to live as I want to live. I really believe there is a God. I really believe there is a hereafter. But I also believe that I can live like I want to live. And some way, somehow, after I die, God is going to give me an opportunity. They usually refer to it as God giving them a chance. But God will give them an opportunity to get it right. Well, this story tells us that's not true. Here's a man who wanted another opportunity, but he didn't get it. Listen to him again. Have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, where I am tormented in this flame. But his request was denied. Do you know if God had given that man a second opportunity, then God would have to give everyone a second opportunity after death, or else that would have made God a respecter of persons. And God is not a respecter of persons. Peter was preaching to Cornelius in his household. And in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, he said, I perceive of a truth that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. No, God's not a respecter of persons. And he did not give this man another opportunity, nor will he give us another opportunity to make our lives right with him once we die. He will not give a second opportunity without giving to everybody. But the fact is, God has given you an opportunity. And he has given you an opportunity right now. You have an opportunity while you're alive, while you're well, while, you're, while your mind is normal and you can think and reason and understand the gospel. Today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. And the time that God has given to each and every one of us is now. God is not promised tomorrow. Because tomorrow may not come for me, it may, it may not come for you. It may perhaps, but it may not. In, in Proverbs chapter 27 in verse 1, Solomon said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for a man doth not know what a day may bring forth. There have been those that have put their faith in tomorrow only to lose and if you think I can put my salvation off and I can wait and I can do it uh, when I want to you may lose I would pray that you would have the opportunity but the point I'm getting trying to get us to see is that God has given us an opportunity and it is now it is today I would cur- encourage every person watching getting to know your bible to be make your calling and election sure Not tomorrow. Now. Do it now. The Bible says that we can know that we know where we stand with God. I can be sure I'm right with him. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3 says, hereby we do know we know him if we keep his commandments. And if I have done what God tells me to do to be saved, I know that I'm right with him. You have that opportunity right now. Let me tell you what the Bible teaches one must do to be saved. We must believe in Jesus Christ according to John 8, 24. We must repent of our sins according to Acts 3.19, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. We must confess our faith in Jesus Christ as being the Son of the living God, Matthew 16 and verse 16. And we must be baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Jesus put it like this in Mark 16, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now salvation from sin is just as simple as one, two, three. The conditions of salvation in Mark 16:16 16, 16 are faith in Christ and baptism into Christ. He that believeth one, baptized two, shall be saved, number three. Wouldn't you want to do that today? Why wouldn't you let some servant of God baptize you into Christ while you have the time, while you have the opportunity? Why would you want to put off something like that? I've told people numerous times over the years, It takes about 10 minutes for an individual to get on the proper clothing, to get into baptistry, and the preacher to immerse them into Christ. What's 10 minutes of your time compared to eternity? Would you not do it? If we can help you, let me know. Now, in closing, I want to give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You will find people who will help you in your study of the Bible and your search for truth. Also, right now, pick up the telephone. Call for the free Bible correspondence course. Do that right now. Don't, don't hesitate, don't wait, don't delay. Do it today. And also, we want you to know we love you, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody, and even my professors know me by name my faith in christ has grown a lot since coming to faulkner especially working with this outstanding bible department and seeing the general christian lives of all the professors on campus faulkner university is a growing academically strong institution where christ is the center of everything we do visit our website today to see what faulkner has for you